Hello, this is Pastor Sam Velez, and I'm so glad that you're joining us for our service. We hope you enjoy this message today, that it blesses your life and your families. We love you. We wanted to set some time to teach on the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is probably one of the misunderstood parts of God. And for some people, maybe it's because they've seen weird things and they're like turned off by the Holy Spirit or they've, uh, they've experienced things that were like, I don't know if that was God or that was a spirit. And so they're kind of turned off and they don't know if this is real or this is fake. And I'm here to let you know the Holy Spirit is not weird. As, you, as we talked about during worship, it's not weird. But the Holy Spirit is someone to be experienced. You can't understand the Holy Spirit until you've tried the Holy Spirit. It's like if you were to tell me, Pastor Sam, you got to check out this restaurant. It's super good. I won't be able to understand what you're talking about until I go to the restaurant. Or if you say, Pastor Sam, did you see Guardians of the Galaxy? It's really awesome. I loved it. I cried and yelled and all these things. And I won't be able to know until I go to Alamo Draft House and watch it. Because I have to try it for myself. It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is someone to be experienced, not someone to be afraid of, not someone to be weirded out by. If you feel like this Holy Spirit's weird, if you've seen some weird things, can I tell you something? That person was probably weird before the Holy Spirit ever came to life, okay? Just, just to let you know. So, so you can feel okay, all right? But there's things about the Holy Spirit that we have to understand, and we have to understand too, we can experience it in our life. I don't know about you, but have you ever talked to someone and you're trying to do something, like let's say you're trying to work out or you're trying to, this new, you know, about to, you know, you're going to run a half marathon or whatever, and you begin to ask them questions and they're like, well, this is what works for me. And for them, maybe it's like, I get up at 6 a.m. and uh, we don't have mountains here, but I run up the monte, you know, and I run back down like 10 times, you know, or Whatever the case may be, they, they, you know, every single person has something that they do that works for them. What works for them sometimes might not work for you. For some of you, running at 6 a.m. ain't going to happen. For some of you, running at 6 a.m. is the best thing ever. But whatever it is, you know, there's this, they, they use that term, and you've probably used it with other people, whether it's running or maybe it's the way you, do, you grill carne asada, however you do it. Well, hey, this works for me. You know, whether you like charcoal or you like mesquite wood, whatever. Just throwing out the film, you're going to carne today. Whatever one you like better, but it works for you. And so I titled this message, This Works For Me, because the Holy Spirit is not either or, it's for everybody. And it works for all people. When you get in relationship with God and you receive the Holy Spirit, it's going to work for you. It's not it might work for you, it, it could work for you, it, maybe sometimes it's going to work for you. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit works for me and it works for you. The Holy Spirit wants a relationship with us. The Holy Spirit wants to work in our life and transform us and do miraculous things, but it requires a cooperation from us. It requires cooperation. On Tuesday nights, we've been having prayer nights. And um, I talked about what it looks like when we have cooperation with God and the benefits of cooperation. Because nothing works without cooperation. I can't, I, was, I, I used this example. I said, group projects don't work without cooperation. 
I don't know if you grew up in school or you're in school right now. For some of you, you're in school. But group projects, some way, somehow, end up being one person doing everything. Like you throw in your two cents, but then there's always that one person that gets everybody the A. And you're smiling like, man, we did this. And it's like, no, you did. that person did that. I know because I was that person that was like, I'll help you. What do you need? And then they, you know, the smartest person in the group always did it. It requires cooperation. If you ever, if you ever played sports, you can't win without the team. It's not a one-man show. You need every single person because it requires cooperation. Anything that we do in this life requires cooperation. Requires some sort of cooperation in order for you to experience the good things you want to experience. And it's the same thing with God. If I want to experience the good things that God has for me, it requires on my part to be in cooperation with what he's already said. And living in obedience to what God is already giving me the rules and the instructions to do. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to the book of Acts chapter 19. We're going to be in verses 1 through 20, but I'm going to stop at 5 in the beginning. Acts chapter 19 says this. It says, while Apollos was in, was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then, what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. I want to stop there for a second. When we started this series, we talked about Acts 1-8 and Acts chapter 2. That when the Holy Spirit fell on the people, they began to speak in other tongues. If you've ever been on a Tuesday night prayer, what do we do? We speak in tongues. And if you've never been to a prayer service like that, you might be a little nervous. Like, oh man, Pastor Sam, I don't know. Did he take something? Is he okay? You know, you get nervous. No. I'm doing exactly what's happening here. Because when you give your life to Jesus, that's like the first step. And you receive the Holy Spirit. But then there's another part when I am baptized by the Holy Spirit. And I begin to speak in other languages. I have a language. It's a language from heaven. It's a language that nobody else is going to understand but between you and God. Holy Spirit, being baptized in the Holy Spirit is a spiritual experience after salvation. Because here's the thing, church. It's not enough just for me to receive the Holy Spirit at salvation. There's more to the story. There's more to the story. Praying in the spirit is not, is a privilege. It's not something I have to do. It's something I get to do. There are a lot of people in this world that have given their life to Jesus, but I've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
And I'm not here to condemn them. I'm not here to make them feel bad, but that's their life. But I'm here to let you know that there is more to the story. And this part is always very misunderstood. In fact, on Tuesday, this Tuesday, I'm going to dive a little deeper on this subject. So if you are more interested, come on Tuesday night. But it is a heavenly language between us and God. That's why when Paul was like, hey, did you receive the Holy Spirit? He was, he was concerned because if you read the book of Acts, throughout the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit was spreading. People were being filled with the Spirit. If you go to Acts 8, the disciples were asking people the same question. Have you been baptized? And they, they're like, well, what is that? And they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because there's more to the story. There's another element to what God has for you. Another step, another opportunity to communicate with God. For some of you in this room, maybe you're in this room and you're like, you know what, Pastor Sam? I want this. I've never experienced. No one's ever told me. I pray that today is the day that you receive the Holy Spirit in that way. And if you don't get it today, I pray Tuesday night you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. When preacher Jay came, he dedicated a night to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because there's something that you have to understand. We can't live outside of the power of the Holy Spirit. Because it's, the, it's, what God, it's a gift from God. He's given us this gift. He's given me and you the opportunity to walk in this gift. If you're asking, how, how can I do this? How can this be? How can this happen to me? Here's the thing. Here's a practical thing to help you out if you're in this room. You've never done this. Come to the presence of God with an expectation to receive. With an expectation. Come when you come and you're saying, Pastor, I, I, I want this. Come with an expectation. Create an atmosphere in your heart to, to receive from the Lord. Many times, many people in the Bible, the way that they would do this is that they would just simply pray or they would worship in expectation of what the Holy Spirit was going to do. In Acts chapter 2, when we, when we started this series and we read it, what was happening in the upper room? They were praying in one accord. They were worshiping. They were seeking the Lord. And in the midst of all of that, the Holy Spirit came. So you got to learn to create an atmosphere for that. Create an, expect, an atmosphere of expectation. And as you're seeking God and you're saying, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, fill me. Here's another thing. Create an environment expectation, but also here's the thing. Open yourself to experience the Holy Spirit. And what I mean is this, is that when the Holy Spirit's coming upon you and you begin to feel syllables or, or something that doesn't sound like English, flow with that. Because that's God trying to speak. That's you trying to speak to God. That's the Holy Spirit filling you. Don't speak English or Spanish or Spanglish and tell me, oh man, God was moving. I was in Spanglish. I was going back and forth. No, no, no. And here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. There is no pressure to this. Don't feel like stressed out, like, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. No, it's okay. Relax. The Holy Spirit will fill you and you begin to speak. I wanted to mention this because as we're talking about this subject of this works for me, you have to understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit works for anybody. 
and is a tool that God uses for our life. That's why when we read stories about Peter and the disciples, and we love all these stories about them, and Paul, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they did miraculous things for the Lord. But they always emphasized, man, you need to get baptized. That's why when Paul, in verses 1 through 5, we see in Acts 19, he's, he's like, hey, and they're like, we have never heard of the Holy Spirit. He's like, man, you, 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 let me lay hands on you because you need to experience this for yourself. It completely changed those 12 people's lives. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. When the Holy Spirit is active in your life, it transforms your life. Amen? Amen. Now let's keep going in Acts chapter 19. If we're going to work with the Holy Spirit, we have to be baptized. And I just talked about that. But here's the second thing. 19 verse 8. It says, then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles when handkerchiefs or aprons that merely touched his skin were placed on sick people they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled a group of jews traveling was traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits they tried to use the name of the lord jesus in their incantation saying i command you in the name of jesus whom paul preaches to come out Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time they tried it. The evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? The man with the, with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from, house, from the house naked and battered. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at the public bonfire, at a public bonfire. The value of the books were several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and, a, and had a powerful effect. Hallelujah. Amen. As you can see, that when the Holy Spirit is at work in someone's life, it produces unusual results. That means that when you are walking in step with the Spirit of God, when you are walking in relationship with Jesus Uncommon things have to happen in your life. Uncommon things. What's common for culture is not common for you. I'm telling you, when me and you can get in step with I'm looking at people in this room and I'm telling you that when you can get in step with the Holy Spirit, the devil is in for a run for his money. The devil is about to get his butt kicked in 2023 by the people in this room. In Jesus' name. (laughs) 
But it starts with you walking in step with the Spirit of God. In relationship. Paul had such a commitment to the Lord that because of his relationship and his commitment, it produced results that nobody else had the answer for. Imagine that, that he had such a relationship with God that the handkerchiefs that touched his body were healing other people. Imagine that, that he carried such an anointing that was, that was uncommon. Think about it. It is very, there, we, we have never seen someone have a handkerchief touch us and we're like, oh my gosh, I can walk, I, I can do. We've never seen that. We, we've had aunts and grandmas throw things at us when they're mad at us. But we've never seen that. But when I read this, it tells me that it's possible. It's possible. It's possible for you to walk in an anointing so powerful that you can go to your sick friend and lay hands and they be healed in Jesus' name. It's possible, church. When you have, but here's the thing, you have to walk in the anointing. The anointing is what sets you apart for service for the Lord. It's the anointing of God that will set you apart. In the Old Testament, people would get anointed to do services, to do, be kings, to lead certain things. They would get anointing. But when the Holy Spirit came, it broke all that. It said, no, every single person can walk in the anointing of Jesus Christ, in the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. Every single person. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you're a teacher, you're a student, you're a lawyer. Whatever job you have, it doesn't matter. You can walk in an anointing and walk with power and experience unusual things. Experience healing for your body. Experience a strong marriage. Experience abundance. Experience everything that the Holy Spirit has for your life. You can experience that for yourself through the anointing of God. It is only through the anointing of God. And it is activated, activated by our commitment to him. It goes on beyond just coming on a Sunday. It's I'm committed to God Monday morning when I go to work. I'm committed to God when I'm put in situations that, are make, that, I'm, that people are wanting me to compromise. I'm not compromising. That's what sets you apart from everybody else. I've grown tired of seeing Christians compromise all the time for different things. Compromise in relationships. Compromise in decisions. Why? For what? To please other people so they could be happy with you? So you're telling me that you're living to please people? If you have people pleaser syndrome, can I pray for you that breaks in Jesus' name? I'm telling you, I, I, I really believe that if you can get connected with God, the way we're talking about this morning, you're going to experience breakthrough in every area of your life. If you can get connected to God this way and not compromise, because compromise is what's killing the anointing in a lot of people's lives. It's not because of their job. It's not because, man, it's just that I'm in a place that's just, you know, it's very heavy, you know, people don't, no, no. It has nothing to do with that. It's compromise. And the only way that you can stop compromising is surrendering it to God. And saying, God, I'm not. I'm sorry. I've been compromising because I want to be like everybody else. 
God, I'm sorry, I'm compromised because I don't want my, my boss to get mad at me. God, I'm compromising because I'm at school and I don't want people to think I'm, I'm weird in my high school or whatever. No. Paul, Paul, you have to understand something about Paul. We love Paul. If you ever read the New Testament, we love Paul. Paul did amazing things for the Lord. But you want to know something about Paul? Paul never compromised. And so Paul was beaten. He was shipwrecked. They stoned him. He never wavered his commitment to the Lord. And that's what produced Miracles after miracles after miracles after miracles. And that's the same thing for your life when you live not to compromise. Because when the anointing comes with commitment, it empowers you. It empowers you. And here's the thing about empowerment. Empowerment is something that is imparted from the Lord. It's not copied by someone else. It's something that is imparted, not copied. The sons of Sceva that we read, they were copying Paul. They were copying someone else's relationship. And because they were trying to copy someone else's relationship, they got their butt kicked by a demon. The Bible says that they ran away naked. And you can't live in an empowered life living off of someone else's relationship. I remember growing up, and when I really took the, my, my relation with God very seriously with the Lord, there, there, people started noticing. And if you're new here, I always tell people that when I really got serious with the Lord in high school, and, and I, I completely, like, I did a 180, and I, I, was, I didn't want to go to certain parties. I, I didn't want to do certain things and drink with certain people. Like, I, I literally was, I turned from that life that I used to have. And I took God seriously. They used to call me priest at school. Like, hey, priest. And, um, and you know what they would always tell me? And it's so common today. They would always be like, hey, well, uh, it's funny. They would make fun of me, but then they would always be like, hey, man, you know, my parents are fighting. And uh, I know you talk to God. Can you talk to God for me? And, uh, and I would always tell them, like, I'm going to pray for your parents that, that whatever's happening at your house, that, you know, I'll talk to them. But I always tell them this. I always say, I'm going to pray for you, but what's better is you give your life to Jesus and you pray for yourself. Because some of us, we, we, maybe you have family members that are like that. Hey, can you pray to God for me? And they always want you to pray. To God for them. They always want to live off of your, their, your relationship. Friends, family. And that's not how it works. Because if you're expecting something to change off of someone else's relationship, there's the example. You will always get your butt kicked every single time with life. Doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a, a demon. It could be anything. It is when you genuinely turn around and give your life to Jesus that you yourself become the overcomer. You yourself are the overcomer. We live in a world of substitutes. There's substitutes for everything. There's off-brands for anything. You can substitute this for that. There's substitutes for everything. For food? Let me tell you something. 
I will never eat a black bean burger over Whataburger. I'm just being honest with you, all right? If you're vegan in this place, I, I love you, I respect you, but that's not me. Give me carne, give me chicken, give me tortilla de harina, give me all of that. All right. If you're vegan, go ahead. You do you. But I, I'm not going to substitute whatever for the real thing. And so many times people, as people, we, we substitute God. I'm going through this, so I'm going to substitute God with a supplement. I'm having a hard time at work, I'm going to substitute God with another drink. I'm going to substitute God for another relationship. And the list goes on and gone. And we live in a world where people are constantly substituting God. And, that, and they wonder, God, well, where are you? It's God's like, because you keep substituting me. Instead of coming to me as your source of strength, as your source of healing, as your source of freedom. Church, if we can stop with the substitutes and make God the priority, can I tell you something? There's a healing for your body. There's, there's an open door for you. There's breakthrough for your family. There's something that happens when I don't substitute and I go straight to the source. I, I, I need joy. Go to the source. The Bible says the Lord is, the, the strength of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm depressed and people are popping pills because of depression. That was not for your life, church. You were never meant to be addicted to pills to make you happy, to make you function. No. And I'm not saying this to condemn you or because I want to make you feel better if that's you in the room. I'm saying this because I want you to be free. I want you to have the power of the Holy Spirit to work with your life. You don't need fentanyl and all these things that are plaguing our city. No. The anointing will work as long as you live submitted to him. When you live a submitted life, expect breakthrough. Expect transformation. Expect your house to be better than it was before. Expect your marriage to be better. Expect these things when you live in submission to God. And Paul gives us the greatest example. The Bible says that when, when, when all of this stuff happened, that people began to hear about it. And they heard, oh my gosh. And they're like, you know what? And they, they decided that they began to believe the Lord. They began to confess their sins. They began to repent. And then what does the Bible say? That they, they began to go into these bonfires and throw their incantation books. Because during that time, people were doing all sorts of witchcraft and all sorts of just diff burning sage and all these things. All these things that I think sometimes people in Laredo do. Put an egg on your bed. All those stupid things that people do in Laredo. They, they were going and they were burning those things because they realized that those things could not help them overcome. It was only through Jesus Christ. It was only through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so they had a huge bonfire. And the Bible says, read it again, millions of dollars was burned. Books and all these things. And maybe for you today is the day that you say, you know what, Pastor Sam, I'm going to sacrifice certain things. There's things that got to burn out of my life. 
I've been carrying it. I'm not saying that you've been doing incantations or maybe you have. And today you release it. But I am saying there are things in your life that need to be let go so that God can come in and set some things free. There are things in your life that you have to surrender and let the power of the Holy Spirit burn in you so that you can experience resurrection power for your life. For your life. For your personal life. Everything they were experiencing out of the anointing, out of the anointing, out of the power of the Holy Spirit, they were experiencing freedom, church. Freedom. Can I tell you something? Freedom starts with forgiveness. First Corinthians 12, 3 says this. It says, so I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 5. Romans 8, 5. It says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please God. The Bible says in Romans 8, 4, that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. It feels very good to know that you are not being condemned. But it starts with you, it, freedom starts with forgiveness. Starts with you repenting. Starts with you saying, God, I, man, I, I missed the mark. My bad. Kind of like when you apologize to somebody, the best thing you can say is, my, my, my bad. I, whatever, I went too far, or I got mad and I said this to you, I texted you this, my bad. It's coming to the Lord and repenting. It's putting into action, saying, God, I, I've heard your word, but now I want to experience your freedom. And when the Spirit of God comes in, that's what happens. You're no longer dominated by sinful things. Your sinful nature used to dominate your life, but it no longer dominates you. The Spirit of God is. You used to be dominated by a lot of things. Maybe you, you used to be dominated by whatever, gossip, bad language, whatever it is that used to dominate you. But when the Holy Spirit came, it, it transformed your life. And when I received the Holy Spirit and, his, and I activate the anointing out of submission to God, and I begin to put into practice, into action, all of these things... I experienced freedom, like real freedom, not freedom for a Sunday morning and I feel good and I feel free, but come Monday, you feel like you're battling again. No, no, true freedom, true freedom and freedom is sustained by the spirit. It's sustained by the spirit. The devil knows that uh, uh, if, he, if you can walk in freedom, he's going to have a hard time messing with you. He's going to have a hard time messing with your life, messing with your family, messing in your thoughts. When you are walking in true, true, true freedom. Paul's life is an example of someone that was completely transformed by the power of God. You saw when we started this series on Peter, 
completely transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in his life. A new man. A new man. And it goes for me, for you and me and you, you know, all of us today. I, I'm sustained by the, I, my freedom is sustained by the Spirit. It's a constant, it's a constant thing. It's one thing to, to walk in freedom, and it's another thing also to understand your freedom, the, the thing that you carry on the inside. When you are in Christ, that means that everything that God carries, you also carry in you. That what's available to your life, if there's a thing that's, there's something transforms your life when you walk in Christ. And that can, that's, that can only happen. And freedom and all of that can only happen through, through the Spirit of God, a sustained relationship where, where, where in Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are in constant victory over the enemy because that same spirit that drew you to Christ when you first gave your life to Jesus is the same spirit that will help you overcome every attack of the enemy. Every attack. Doesn't change. It just gets better. Just gets better and better. Church, uh, sin doesn't have to have power over you at all. Doesn't. doesn't Jesus paid the price on the cross we just we did communion earlier so that we could walk in victory the rest of our lives do we have moments where we are battling certain things yes maybe you're in this room and there's things that happened this week Maybe things that you didn't even expect to happen and it didn't really go the way you wanted to. That's why we have God. To help us overcome. Jesus said it. He said, take heart, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. John 16, 33, he said, I have overcome the world. And if Jesus lives in me and you, a KO every single time over the enemy. Not a split decision like last night. A KO. Every single time. Thank you so much for joining our service and for listening to us. We are located at 4519 East Del Mar Boulevard in Laredo, Texas. And we hope that you continue to be a part of our ICM family.